Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond. I am here with my lovely co-host. I'm Prue Warren. Good morning, Prue. I have, I'm so excited because you have called on, I, you have called in a chip for us and gotten for us one of the most fantastic authors who I adore. Door. And I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking with Mindy Klasky. Hi, Mindy. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy. We're so psyched. Yes. I, I want to say as a special disclaimer that Mindy, besides you, Mary, Mindy has been my mentor and is one of the most generous authors. I, I just can't even imagine how lucky I was to stumble across Mindy, uh, a jewel in the rough. Now I, I feel cannot- like... The check to Prue to um, thank her for her kind words. So, <laughs> but it's so true. I've known Mindy for many, many years because we're both a member of the Washington Romance Writers, and I have always, always loved hearing her talk and learn so much from her. Mindy's got the big old brain. Okay, before we hit record, you were talking. Mary was talking about how. If you read a Kindle book on an iOS, the links for Kindle don't show up on an Apple device or vice versa. Which was it? To buy the next book. Okay. They don't work. So if you're on an iOS device, an iPad or a Mac or an iPhone, and you are reading in your Kindle app, at the end of the book, we all put in our other books by... And then we put in links so that the links, if you put in an Amazon link in your in your Amazon book, because you're reading on a KDP on a Kindle app, the link won't work because Amazon and Apple don't like each other. But I have my suspicions. I think noted expert Mindy Klasky has a workaround. Am I right? I also found out a workaround, but Mindy, you tell us yours. I I have to be honest. I have not applied this workaround yet um, because my understanding was that until very recently, if you had a Kindle link in a Kindle book, um, it was uh, platform agnostic and the um, link would still work. But my understanding is that if you use a um, universal book link, like one that you can get from draft to digitals books to read, um, that you can then um, send readers to that um, page that is hosted by draft to digital at books, the number two read.com. Um, and um, the reader can then choose um, where they want to buy their books. And they can make a single choice one time to say, I always buy Kindle books. And then they won't have to jump through any hoops. They just get um, linked directly to the store they want. Or they can not make that specification and they can arrive at a um, landing page for the book and they can choose whether they want to buy a Kindle version, buy an Apple version or Kobo or Google. Or they, I think, drafts, um, drafts to digital books to read. Um, supports uh, 20, 30 different platforms around the world. 
And Mindy, you haven't done it yet because you have 40 books you'd have to do it to. Is that right? I um, use my books to read um, links in my, quote, generic versions um, that are distributed through platforms that um, don't have their own independent bookstores. Um, But I have not gone back and changed my Amazon links to books2read.com links. Um, But it's on the long to do list. (laughs) are Are you planning on doing it, though? Um, I will eventually. Um, I, um, I, I'm finding that fewer and fewer readers are reading on Kindle devices. They're reading on their phones more frequently. They're reading on um, occasionally on tablets. Um, and so it is something that I will probably do. In the past, I've been leery of working with any third party um, just because if draft a digital decides to disappear tomorrow, I don't want all of those links to be dead. This is something that a new author ought to ought to think about. Um, I think that building um, on that uh, on that platform in the first place is a good idea at this point. Um, it's one that I do recommend to people. Meredith I have thought, another option. Yeah, what is yours? I have also been using books to read links, um, but I also want to give my readers the opportunity to not have to make two clicks, right? So when you click on the the books to read link. It takes you to that landing page where then they choose which outlet to buy from. If you want to give them one link that will take them directly to Amazon, you can use a link shortener. I tried using bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, but they create Amazon links with the start A-M-Z-N dot and then whatever. Um, and Amazon and Apple still picks up on that. They still pick up that that's an Amazon link. So it doesn't work. So what I'm using now is something called Genius Link. And they not, so if you put in an Amazon link to Genius to create a shortened link, it gives you a Genius Link. So it's a Genius dot whatever or Genius Link dot whatever. Um, and you can can personalize the whatever. So um, I put in the book initials and Z-O-N, and that works most of the time. But also, if a reader is in, say, Germany, it doesn't take them to Amazon.com, it takes them to Amazon.de. So it takes them to their local Amazon store, wherever in the world they are. All right, these are good. I'm going to put both books to read and Genius Link in the show notes so that people who are brighter than me can pursue this because I, I think I need more handholding. We need to do an entire session just on this. Because, ah! Yeah. Okay. And Genius Links also does a, a landing page if you want with all of the links to all of the different stores. Okay. All right, Mindy, what were you going to say? Um, just to make things a tiny bit more complicated, um, if you don't want to go with a third party like Genius Links and you have a WordPress website, there is a plugin that you can download that is called Redirect. And redirect allows you to work everything through your own website. So um, in the backs of my books, I have links that look like mindyclasky.com slash um, W1 for the first of my witches books, um, Kindle. Um, And that will take people to the Kindle page for the first of my witch books. Um, and, um, I do you, and I have W1 Apple for the Apple store, W1BN for Barnes and Noble. That's even better. I love Uh, that. I'm going to look that one up. Thank you. It's a really, you don't have to worry about that third party going under because it's your website. That's right. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once again, too much to think about. Um, and you're obviously on WordPress. You don't know if it's on uh, if other hosting platforms. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I suspect that it is not because it is a tricky little bit of programming to fit it into a Wix website or a Squarespace website, but maybe the, it, it's a free um, plugin. Um, and it may be that the designer um, is interested in you know spreading his name everywhere. Um, I gave him 20 bucks for the year to be out of gratitude for using it. So maybe he's turning that into Wix and Squarespace. <laughs> Well, I have Wix, so I would like to, uh, we'll figure it out. Let's let's go back. Let's remember that the purpose of the broadcast today is to probe Mindy's genius brain on the subject of plotting. Mary, you and I have talked to several authors who are pantsers, and their, their system is sort of breathtaking and extremely bold, and I'm inspired by it. But I think I'm a plotter, and I have seen Mindy at work. She'll post occasionally photographs of the wall of her office covered in post-it notes. So I want I want to ask, Mindy, will you tell us your plotting technique to write a novel? Um, my plotting technique has evolved over time. Um, my plotting technique used to be taking a sheet of three ring notebook paper and um, writing down one side um, numbers one through 10 and writing a single sentence for each chapter in the book. And I had very few chapters in the book. I didn't pay any real attention to the shape of a plot, um, but I knew the story that I wanted to tell. Um, and that system actually worked fairly well um, for the traditional fantasy novels that I was writing, um, where they were quest novels, where characters went on a series of adventures, um, and um, the overall shape of the plot, the beats of the plot, weren't quite as important as they are in, say, a romance novel. But my process has evolved over time. Um, Um, And now I get to um, use all of my school supply um, jonesing to purchase all sorts of fun toys. Um, um, Now the way that I work out a new book is to sit down with a notebook and to start and a new set of flare pens in every color that I can possibly find. Um, And I start to sort of sketch out the ideas for the story in my head. I include little character sketches. I, um, not physical drawings, but um, ideas of what the character is like. I figure out where I think the story is going to start. I start writing down um, challenges to the characters. I start writing down um, the various plot points. I know that I'm going to want to have a turn of events at about the 10% point. I know that I'm going to want to totally turn my characters' lives upside down at the 25%, the 50%, and the 75% point. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You think there has to be a turnaround at 10%, 25%, and 75%? 10, 25, 50, 75%. Very much. I'm writing it down. And tell me about the different colored pens, though. Do you pay attention? Um, I don't actually, I'm not color coding at that point, Um, Uh but I'm keeping myself interested in having fun and play. 
Absolutely. Different colors. Very nice. Like it very much. I'm sorry. Can I interrupt? No, 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 no. Um, so I end up with this um, notebook that is filled with all of these notes to myself. And then in the notebook, I try to write out a plot, um, writing down um, the numbers for each of my chapters. My chapters are much shorter now than they used to be when I started writing traditional fantasy. Um, a typical 80,000 page book has about 60 chapters now. Wow. Um, wow. So you're like 1500 words a chapter. That's my goal. That's, that's goal. my goal. <laughs> Um, some chapters of course run longer. I would love if they fell in at 1000 words a chapter, but I find that the, that about four printed pages isn't always enough to actually advance the story in a meaningful way. And do way. you fit well, a thousand just because you think the plot rattles along more rapidly if you can have a good hook at the end of every thousand words? Every Mary, th- do, Mary, do you follow, uh, do you try to make your chapters roughly the same length? I do, but my chapters are longer. So my chapters are about double the size of Mindy's. They're about 2,000 words. I don't know. words. I'll have to find out. I'll find out. Okay. So, um, Mindy, you've got, you're doing a rough sketch. You're doing a rough outline in the notebook. And I... Um, make little notes to myself along the way that, okay, this is the 20, if I have 60 chapters, um, 15 chapters in is the 25% point, um, 30 chapters in, um, 45 chapters in. Um, And once I have that loose outline done, um, I then switch to the hardcore outlining part of things. Um, <laughs> I use a series of um, post-it notes. I use these super sticky post-it notes because they're going up on my wall and they're going to move around. Um, and I um, use color coding by um, which point of view character is um, narrating that chapter um, and um, which subplot um, is is being used. Um, I may have, um, my heroine may narrate, um, say, half the chapters, but um, I use one color for the main plot that she's narrating and one color for the primary subplot that she's narrating. Okay, so stop, stop right there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about subplots because, as you know, I'm writing very simple things that don't really have much of a subplot. How are you lacing these in and still creating? A rattle fast book. It's a challenge. Um, Ideally, the subplots work to advance the main plots. The the characters are learning things that they're going to need to know to resolve the main plot. They're showing aspects of their character that are going to be important in the resolution of the main plot. Um, But sometimes I resort to tricks. um, Share, for God's sake, share. Um, In the book that I'm working on right now, which is the F word, um, the second of my COVID romances, I am using diary entries to cover one of the major subplots. Um, The book is set in the middle of a cooking competition, and the primary plot is the romance plot between the hero and the heroine. Um, But I need to keep my readers informed about what's happening in the cooking competition. Um, And I found that every single time I stopped to write a chapter about the cooking competition, the romance plot just stagnated. I have read the C word and absolutely loved it. Can, is there, I, I see that as one cohesive novel. Is that, do you think of a subplot in the C word? What's the subplot in the C word? Because the romance is so um, 
complete. It's such a little uh, nugget of perfect. Do you think there's a subplot in the C-word? I think that there are a couple of um, relatively small subplots. Um, The heroine's relationship with her best friend, who is a baker who's trying to launch a new bakery. um, Right. Yes, a pornographic donut uh, bakery. Um, And so that functions as a subplot um, in that um, it gives us a break from the um, main plot. The characters in the main plot can go off and do other things while Brittany, the baker, baker is um, dealing with her um, baking issues. Um, But it also gives us insights into how the character, how the heroine solves problems and how she um, communicates and doesn't communicate with people and things that pay off later in the main plot. Okay. So the hero, his subplot is talking with his sister, his executive assistant. Exactly. Who turns out to be the heroine of the F word. That's right. So your subplots are also setting up the next in the series. That's right. Okay. Meredith, I've read several of your books and I think this is, this is consistent. You're, you know what you're going to do next. So you're setting up the next book in the book you're writing. Do you think of that as a subplot? No, because I don't do, if I do that, I don't do it consciously. What I do is my next book is frequently a secondary character. And so if I'm setting up the next book with, then it's, it's not deliberate. What I'm doing is creating a character in the first book. And then I use that character as the protagonist of the next book. Yep. 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 I have done this as well. I'm very happy to say, oh, me too, ladies, noted authors. <laughs> me too. Because I've written the second book while the first one is being edited and gone, damn it, I need to put this in back in the first book. And if you get going fast enough, you can lace in useful things in the first book before it gets published. And then you look smartest, Mindy and Mary. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. I better understand subplots now. Thank you, Mary. Uh, no, no. Thank you, Mindy. And you can name two. Okay. So then you've got them all in post-it notes. You've got your, are you doing, oh no, you don't. You're doing your heavy plotting. You do have post-it notes. Um, So I've taken the plot that I had sketched out in the Uh uh, notebook and I put it onto post-it notes, which lets me better visualize um, who is narrating which chapters. There, are especially scenes with the where there are both the hero and the heroine. Um, either one of them could take the burden of narrating the scene, but I don't. I, I choose who, which one I'm going to go with. Um, By most to lose in the scene, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, and so I put all of my post-it notes on the um, bulletin board or not the bulletin board. I have a, a spare wall in my office and I post them up there. Um, I have a um, painter's tape um, cross that is on the wall. So I can say my first act, my second act, my third act, my fourth act. Um, and I can put um, the post-it notes in order there. Um, do you think you think of it, you put it in a cross because that's easiest for the physical space you have. Is there a reason why you don't lay it all along the wall linearly? Um, if I had a really long wall, I probably would do it linearly, but um, that's not the design of my house. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. You work with what we have. <laughs> <laughs> you go to war with the army you have. And that's what, right. is it actually, what does it actually say on your post-it note? A single post-it note says, scene four, Betsy um, says, hello. A single post-it note has a number in the upper left corner, which is the chapter. 
Um, and then it would say, um, Jen arrives at Club Caratoke, ready to be the personal assistant to the hero. Okay. Um, okay. And um, if there are specific images that I know I want to work in, there are horses on the beach and she sees the horses, which become an important um, metaphor throughout the book. Um, I will put on that post-it note horses so that I remember to write them. Um, and um, and then um, chapter two will say, um, Noah meets Jen in the dining room, um, too busy to talk to her. Um, so I remember that he's gruff and he's arrogant and um, there is going to be conflict between them. Um, and th- then I proceed on through. Okay. All right. All right. Now, you also mentioned that you do it on Super Stickies because you move things around. Right. How often um, do you move around? Usually, um, not all that much in the when I'm writing the first act. Um, it stays almost exactly the way I wrote it. Um, and often the second act um, minds its manners and stays where it's supposed to stay. <laughs> um, but almost always, by the time I get to the third act, things have changed. Is that right? Um, and I have realized that um, either this subplot isn't working or the grand motivation for the great reveal that is going to be the dark moment and the crisis of these characters' lives isn't quite what I thought it was going to be in the first act. Um, And so I take stock of what my post-it notes say I'm supposed to be writing and usually take down about half of them um, to sort of um, tweak things and move things and change the emphasis points and make things happen in slightly different order or at a slightly different pace. Um, And I redo the third act. Um, And then often after the dark moment, when I'm writing a romance, um, I take a look at the fourth act and see what all the issues are that have to be resolved um, and see if there's a um, more, a better paced way of doing it. And there almost always is. (laughs) You do sort of a mid book and reanalysis. Exactly. I was going to say, it sounds like you leave room for pantsing in your plotting plan. Pantsing sounds too loose for what I do, um, because I really do have a fairly firm idea of um, who the villains are going to be, what the conflicts are going to be, what the backstory is. Um, I just may not, in um, the F word, I know that the hero is terrified of thunderstorms. Um, but the reason that he's terrified of thunderstorms has changed four times while I've been writing it. Um, and I finally have a really good, really deep soul searing reason for him to be afraid of thunderstorms. Um, He got caught in one when he was coming home from school one day, you know? Right. Right. All right. So, so you are open to where the muse takes you as you're working along. Um, I am. I am not one of those authors who says, um, my character started talking to me and I had no idea that he was reincarnated from um, the Dalai Lama. Um, I I, I don't, um, I'm not that open to ideas. Um, But when a character tells me that um, he had three different lovers before he arrived at this scene. Um, I sort of pay attention to that and see how I can use it. And sometimes I can't use it and it ends up, I rearrange the notes and that disappears. Um, so that, I, this is why you have post-it notes and not a notebook for when you're really beginning the plotting. 
because exactly. it is possible that things will change. It's not it's not right. huge changes, but things can change and be advanced. Um, they can and they do. Um, I have friends who plot on a scene by scene level and sometimes a page by page level so that an outline for a an 80,000 word novel is 50 pages long. Oh my God. And that is a level of specificity. I would be bored if I needed to then write that book because I would have found all the details in it. Um, But it works for some people. It just doesn't work for me. And as you're riding along, do you gleefully take down the post-its of the scenes you're finished with and go, that's done? Do you have that visceral delight of going, my wall is um, I prefer to leave them up there and take them all down when I have finished my draft. And that makes me feel that I have accomplished <laughs> their own. I would have a much more violent crumple and throw it down. <laughs> Meredith, you're a plotter. Are you, do you do anything this, you, you're, you write it in a notebook. Um, I have a notebook and I also have worksheets. I don't separate my books into four acts. I but I do separate it kind of into four sections because I use a W graph, mm-hmm. and so I have my setup. I have the major turning point. I have the the climax or point of no return, the black moment, and then the resolution. And so I break it up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know. Yeah, and for my post-it notes, I also use post-it notes. Um, I do a timeline. You clearly, need to get some post-it notes. You do your timeline that way. I do my timeline that way. And because more recently, my books have been overlapping in time. And so I have to keep track of when things are happening in which book and make sure that, for example, I don't put the same people in two different places in two different books on the same day. (laughs) Ah, very good. Time paradox makes everything go crazy. Exactly. But I'm doing, I have an answer to this because I like to plot. Uh, at the Washington, we do the um, industry chat nights once a month. Kiwi Thrall puts together an industry chat night. And we are talking about uh, Romancing the Beat by who? I'll figure it out. I'll write it in the book notes. Anyway, yeah. the book Romancing the Beat, which is a very simplistic skeleton of a typical romance novel. So I decided as I was plotting my book that I was going to make sure I hit every single one of those beats. And I've also recently been introduced to the 12 stages of intimacy which has been very entertaining. The first one is sight. The last one is genital, genital. And then you work your way down this list. So I'm using, look, I have index cards. I have 45 index cards. And every single one says location, where in the 12 stages, where are the beats, whose point of view, what's the date and what happens. And I am seven chapters into a 41 chapter book. I'm cruising, man. And it's all (laughs) plotted out neat and tidy and contains that meeting falling thinking about falling in love falling in love fighting for love everything is destroyed i'm feeling very um organized i feel like plotters wiser than me have led me to a good place so i'm i'm pro plotting myself i um, have learned me- that um for people who are sort of midway between plotters and pantsers if they are able to just identify what those turning points are. Um, the the turning points that Mindy was talking about, the 10%, 25, 50, 75%, if they know what happens then, then they're good to go. So it it it's a continuum going 
scene by scene, sentence by sentence, what a, all the way to just knowing what the main turning points are. It, it's a continuum of how much you need to know before you can sit down to write. Min- Meredith, you have different words. Mindy says 10%. There's a, there's a sort of a shift, a transition. You call that the at 10%, I don't normally identify the 10% mark. I normally start at the 25% mark, which is the call, first turning point. Just call it first turning point. Yeah. And then 50 is the second turning point? 50 is the second turning point or the climax or the point of no return. And then 75 is the black moment. Right. Okay. I'm just writing it down because um, the two of you have different patterns, but you're going in the same place and we just With- label it. Yeah, we just we have different vocabulary, but we're talking about the same thing. Right, 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 right. Mindy, what were you going to say before? I was going to say that Romancing the Beat is Gwen Hayes, H-A-Y-E. That's it. Thank you. And for anyone who is a beginner like me, it's a really useful book to show you what a romance skeleton looks like. You can build any body on it you want, but that's the skeleton that will undergird a, a romance that can either be boring and plain or the most exciting thing ever depends on what you do with it but you need you need your spine and that's she lays out the spine and as a beginner uh, i'm adhering to it pretty closely in this book so see how well it does i'm very excited writing like math with my uh, early books i did not rely on um any resources like gwen's book like um michael haig's um screenwriting guidance or alexandra sokoloff's screen screenwriting guidance and i found that the middles of my books were very sagging <laughs> they um i knew all of the excitement when the heroine and the hero first meet and they have challenges and they spark off of each other and i knew the dark moment when things completely fell apart but getting them from that a to that b was really really boring um and so i have found that by concentrating on that point of no return in the middle, um, that really adds a structure that supports the entire story. That's excellent. And that's a really good way of looking at it because I fear um, bloggy, saggy, dull copy. I mean, I don't want that to happen. I want to go, I'm going to cut out, Kathy Seidel once said, just cut the boring parts. Just, <laughs> just cut the boring stuff. And so you can't just have the beginning and the end. There has to be emotional involvement where we're building up and getting committed and that's the way to do it, is to put this skeleton on it. I'm currently working on uh, plotting my next three books, my next series. And so I, I get that that first turning point, and I get that point of no return. And I've got the, the black moment. And that part from the point of no return to the black moment, I have good excitement happening, and then a big block of blank, say, just before the point. <laughs> A black moment saying something really exciting happens here. <laughs> and does that work for you, Meredith? I mean, is that typical? It's been typical and and no, it doesn't work for me. I have a serious <laughs> problem. <laughs> well, allow me to recommend Gwen Hayes, who will help yes, you. With that. Thank you. God, what do you have? 25, 30 books already? I think you'll probably figure it out. Mindy, I've interrupted you. So many times did I, there's so many questions, but do you feel that you've been able to say the whole basics of how you do your plotting? 
Um, I, basically, yes. Um, I, I think for me, the key thing is to have a pretty firm idea of where I'm going and what I'm doing, but to remain open um, to things that come up as I tell the story and to realize this could be a whole lot stronger if I sacrifice my outline and, and regroup. And that's why the post-it notes work well for me, because there is some sense of permanence, but there is not an absolute, um, this can not change. It is set in stone. And that really is what I'm coming across is this concept of you can write it, but it could be stronger if that is, that's powerful. That's a real opportunity. Every single time I come across it, that's an opportunity. So yay. (laughs) Um, Your next book, the C word is out now. Yes. And when do you think the F, when is the F word going to be available to us eager readers? You know, (laughs) Um, the F word um, should be out by um, mid to late October. Um, I don't have a specific launch date on it, um, but um, my tentative launch date is October 15th. I am writing it down, man. That's a one click for me. I love this. I thought the C word would be extraordinary. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. Next week, Mary, you and I are talking about um, publishing through Kindle Unlimited versus publishing wide. And as I'm coming up on another uh, release date, whoo, yay me. I'm very yay interested. You. So I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on this. So, sure. yay. Um, the only other thing I want to say is that uh, uh, we have swag, Writer's <laughs> Block Party we Podcast, do. but like an idiot, I told the designer the wrong web address. So all of our swag has the wrong web address. I'm such a moron. By the time this podcast airs, I think it will, that be, will be fixed. That's awesome. So can you help me remember how do I, how do readers find writers block party podcast swag? Yes. You just go to redbubble.com and search for the writers block party podcast or for uh, the artist's name, which is demonism. Demonism. Such a clever name. <laughs> Um, and we also invite all our listeners to join us on the Writer's Block Party po- uh, Discord server. Yes. For chats about writing and bitching and griping and complaining and laughing and giggling. <laughs> and admitting the idiocy of getting the web address wrong on the Writer's Block Party podcast. <laughs> and if as we always. Have not roasted you enough for, but we will. I am aware. <laughs> I have been, I've been braced for the ridicule. Deservedly. Deservedly so. Been very kind. It's a very kind group. Um, and we like people to rate our podcast and God comment, ask us questions, tell us things. We love to know you're alive. Yes. Thank you so much, Mindy, for joining us. It's been a great conversation. I love hearing about your method of plotting. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking to different authors about process. It's one of my favorite things. (laughs) That's lucky. Because we all want to nerd off of you, Mindy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen to Mary's husband, the silken tones of Mary's husband saying (laughs) goodbye. See you next week. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. 
that's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Oh, <laughs>